0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
1: Across municipalities around the United States, there are more and more news deserts. And we have one such example in the Tritown area of Rhode Island known as Charahoe, Charlestown, Richmond, and Hopkinton. Earlier, actually last year, the Charahoe Times, the region's local newspaper, announced that it was shutting down its primary operation. And there certainly is the Westerly Sun, which does some good work, the South County Independent a lot of civic organizations, so on and so forth. But nonetheless, Richmond, Rhode Island has become a true news desert. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes that is critical to address, not only for folks who live in Richmond or part-time residents in Richmond, but for the state and region as a whole to understand what's happening. Today, we're joined by the president of the newly formed Richmond Community Alliance, Mark Reynolds. Mark, thanks so much for your time. You're welcome, Bill. It's good to be here. What prompted the formation of your association?
0: Well, after, there were several of us who ultimately formed Richmond Community Alliance who ran for town council in the last uh, election and unfortunately were unsuccessful uh, in getting on the council. So we wanted to stay involved in in the town. And you know, as you were just saying, we knew that there was a difficult time for residents to get accurate uh, information. Uh, So we wanted to try to foster that uh, in in addition to what was already being done by the uh, Beaver River Valley Community Association. They've been covering the town council meetings. Uh, We wanted to supplement that and also try to foster kind of some reasonable and rational discussion of issues, which we saw was becoming less and less uh, frequent in, in Richmond.
1: There are several issues at play here and probably enough where we could do a whole series on this. And in fact, I would like to dig into some of them on a specific level in specific podcasts down the line. A lot of the issues right now in Richmond are personality driven. uh, That's for sure. But they revolve around town council and municipal activities. And really one of the main things that gets flagged time and time again is conservation, land preservation and land use. There's some major players at stake here. And really, the identity of the community, which oftentimes that phrase gets repurposed into a, an excuse for nimbyism, well, we don't want to build here, we want to keep other people out of the town, when in reality, there actually is a lot more to that conversation in a place like Richmond, not only from a historic standpoint, and from a preservation standpoint, but just from a, you know, a general operational standpoint, let's start with the issues of conservation. What are some of the major things that have happened in recent times? pertaining to conservation, pertaining to land use, and who are some of the major players that are driving these these sometimes problems?
0: So, you know, obviously one of the, you know, issues that comes up frequently in in Richmond and other rural towns is the property taxes. And recently, uh, more recently, uh, members of the town council have been trying to blame conservation uh, for people 's uh, increased taxes, basically uh, saying that well we 're removing too much property from the tax roll, so we can 't uh, invite a commercial development and and that 's really not true uh, and actually the uh, Richmond Community Alliance we did a piece on this in one of our newsletters uh, back in November uh, but basically it's it 's trying to use conservation as a way to uh, motivate or inflame taxpayers. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, the reason most people live in Richmond is for its rural character. I mean, that comes through time and time again when you talk to anybody. So it's a delicate balance, certainly, between maintaining the rural character of a town and encouraging development. But conservation certainly is not to blame for uh, any kind of a tax uh, burden on, on the residents.
1: What are, what are some of the specific things popping up right now? I remember a couple of years ago being down off of Beaver River Road where some solar farms were being installed. And that that was problematic to a lot of people because of the not only the characteristic shift, but also just sort of the dynamic that was at play where the way that these solar fields were being sited didn't really have a full democratic, <laughs> democratically engaged populace around it.
0: That, that's an issue. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the solar developers were a little bit ahead of the the towns as far as regulation. So they were able to get uh, applications uh, pending before regulation, which allowed them to develop an area along the Beaver River, which is a historic, rural, scenic area. Um, but unfortunately, due to the issues with lack of regulation they've been able to do that uh, the town's been able to correct that and you know implement regulations that are limiting those types of solar arrays to industrial and commercial areas and like I said that's really the balance you know there are areas in our town that are appropriate for commercial development and that's where we need to focus uh, our attention not on trying to to blame uh, people who want to maintain the rural character of the rural and 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 agricultural areas of of Richmond, of which there are many.
1: When Speaker Shikarchi, in his package of, of housing bills, was being developed and is now live, so to speak, as of January 1st, one of the new regulations really seeks to, or I should say one of the new laws really seeks to um, see to it that all municipalities on a variety of percentages achieve certain Numbers when it comes to affordable capital A and lowercase A housing, how does that new approach to housing impact some of the conservation efforts that are happening in Richmond right now? Do they butt heads or can they coexist? Uh,
0: I think they can coexist because um, you know affordable housing uh, is is an issue everywhere, and we have certainly have seniors and uh, disabled folks who need affordable housing. A lot of people, just a natural course of their life, they raise a family in a large home, and as that family grows and moves away, they become an older single person or single couple living in a large house that they can't afford to live in anymore. So we need affordable housing for uh, our own residents, um, and that's a, a large uh, Issue that we could certainly get into more, as far as what is who who benefits from affordable housing. That the, the uh, opponents of affordable housing like to make it think we're going to have an influx of people moving into town if we have affordable housing, and ignoring the fact that affordable housing is going to benefit our own our own folks. But most of those types of developments are going to be in the commercial and industrial areas that we already have available for that. Uh, in town, so there are plenty of areas where those types of developments can be built um, and and still and not affect the rural the rural areas that that where conservation might be
1: appropriate. One of those areas, of course, is Wyoming, which not the state Wyoming, right off of what used <laughs> right. to be exit three, and that's where the stop and shop is, and kind of the commercial district. I grew up in Cherokee, so some people in Richmond would refer to that as town, which always cracked me up, but it really is town. Um, and that's an area where there's a lot of opportunity for housing development. Just outside of Wyoming, perhaps within the geography of it, but just outside of the commercial district is, an, is a facility known as the Preserve. It's where Boulder Hills a golf course used to be. Now it's a sporting club. And there's been some discussion around tax breaks for the Preserve. They offer condominiums that one of which sold as the highest priced condominium in the state last year. How does the Preserve factor into some of the activities happening in Richmond right now?
0: So during the last election, the Preserve certainly tried to uh, uh, influence uh, and support certain certain candidates. Uh, there were three individuals connected with the Preserve that each donated $1,000 to two of the town council members that were running. And in a small town election, $3,000 is a lot of money. And it enabled them to put out a mailer right before the election, which which may have uh, certainly influenced and enabled them to get on the council. So the Preserve has certainly been more active. And during the last uh, legislative session, the Preserve uh, convinced the town council to... Request legislation from the General Assembly that would only enable them to get tax breaks on their residential development. Uh, The bill was crafted in such a way that it could only benefit them. Uh, Fortunately, uh, some of the town council members, after it had already been submitted, realized that it it wasn't exactly what they thought it was going to be, and we were able to get the bill uh, pulled by uh, by Representative Megan Carter. Because really, it was it was a special interest bill, Uh, and that's that's a real problem. Uh, You know, the preserve is certainly uh, welcome in in Richmond, and they are a certainly a source of property tax revenue. But they need to pay their fair share of taxes, just like every other resident in Richmond. And that was the real problem with that. Uh, You know, if we're going to think about giving residential developments uh, property tax breaks. Let's open it up to uh, more than just one, one developer. But that's a whole other conversation about whether that's even appropriate in light of the fact that we have, you know, folks who are, who are you know, struggling to, to, to pay their taxes, and they certainly aren't getting, getting any kind of a break.
1: All right. And I think it's it, it's the practical and it's the optics of the situation with the preserve that flags a lot of people's attention. They were delinquent, some $40,000 in taxation uh, that, that was due. They ended up paying that off just ahead of in a, a city council meeting or a, bu- a budget hearing that would have really allowed them to have these tax breaks. So even just optically, it's something that a lot of folks are looking at and going, what is this? And as you said, special interest comes to mind right away when you're when you're talking about the preserve. Uh,
0: absolutely, and I think it's, so. It's important to make sure that that they and and anybody else. It's not just about the preserve; it's to make sure that nobody's getting uh, special treatment. Uh, everyone's you know paying their fair share. I mean, the preserve also has multiple uh, lawsuits pending against the town, uh, which are costing the town uh, money as far as as legal fees. So. Uh, certainly they're entitled to assert their rights if they feel they have them in in, in court, uh, but there is somewhat of a contentious uh relationship uh, with the preserve uh they do uh appeal all of their tax assessments every year, claiming that their properties are valued too high and they should be lower and that's another source of litigation with the town so it's it, it's it's you know we need to preserve don't get me wrong it's like i said it's it's a source of revenue. Um, But it's also, they need to, uh, you know, be a a good citizen and, uh, you know, pay what everyone else pays.
1: A story that made its way to the statewide audience last year was uh, revolved around a vacancy on the Cherahoe School Committee. It was an interesting clash of state and local regulations or laws, the Cherahoe Act. You're an attorney. You can probably summarize this a lot more succinctly than I can. Give us the, the rundown of what took place with Jessica Purcell, Clay Johnson, and the vacancy that came up on the Charojo School Committee.
0: Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it uh, quickly. Um, so what happened was uh, one of Richmond's representatives on the regional school committee, on the Charojo School Committee resigned because he had uh, to move out of state. So there was a vacancy to be filled on the school committee. Um, The Charojo Act, uh, which is the the law that governs how the regional school district operates, says that the town council uh, appoints the person to fill the vacancy. We have a town charter in Richmond, which basically is like our constitution, like the constitution is for the U.S. government. Each town, well, most towns have a charter. And so the Richmond town charter says if there's a vacancy on either the town council or on the school committee, the town council shall appoint the person in the last election who got the most votes, but didn't get elected. So basically the runner up, the first runner up in the election is to be appointed uh, to the school committee. Uh, what happened was uh, the town council, well, a majority of the town council at the at the time uh, didn't want the first runner-up, Jessica Purcell, to be on the school committee. She ran as a Democrat. They're Republicans. Um, they wanted their own person, uh, a person named Clay Johnson, uh, to be on the school committee. Uh, so what they did is they claimed that... Um, the Charojo Act deprived them of their discretion to make it an appointment. That, uh, the, the charter deprived them of the discretion that the Charahoe Act gave them to appoint whoever they wanted, and they felt that th- they could do appoint who they wanted. So they appointed Clay Johnson um, after a, a very contentious town meetings um, and several people speaking that uh, – even if it was technically legally permissible, the people in the town charter had spoken and said, listen, the person who should be appointed, whether you like it or not, is the, is the first runner up in the last election. Uh, they ignored the residents, uh, on that issue and they appointed Clay Johnson. Uh, Jessica Purcell challenged that because she was the person she felt she should have been appointed. Um, so she filed a suit, uh, and, which was decided by the Rhode Island Supreme Court uh, in, the, in July, and the Rhode Island Supreme Court said you can you can um, interpret these, read these two uh, documents together. The Charroho Act says gives the authority to the town council to make the appointment, but the Richmond Town Charter tells. The council who you must appoint. If there is a first runner-up, that's who you have to appoint. You can read the two documents together. In doing so, Jessica Purcell is the rightful uh, person to be appointed, and they ordered that she be appointed to the school committee. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that litigation cost the town about $25,000 in attorney's fees that it had to pay to try to defend its its appointment of of Clay Johnson. So it's just another example of members of the town council thinking that sometimes it's the, yeah, I'm the smartest person in the room mentality, uh, instead of kind of looking at the will of the people as expressed in the town charter and, and as expressed during, during the meetings. Um, but that, that in a nutshell
1: is uh, the Jessica Purcell uh, situation. Mark Reynolds, president of the Richmond Community Alliance. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about that town council and really what it means as currently constituted for the, the town of Richmond going forward. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. We are brought to you in part by Navigant Credit Union. As Rhode Island's first ever member owned credit union, Navigant Credit Union has been a staple in the local business community for more than 108 years today. Navigant is a $3.4 billion institution serving more than 136,000 members across 25 physical branch locations. But since its founding in 1915, the mission has never changed. Navigant Credit Union's team of financial professionals have remained committed to improving the financial well-being of the families, businesses, and communities they serve across Rhode Island. Learn more at navigantcu.org. And we're brought to you by Elmwood Songwriters Club, presented by Bartholomew Town. Eight artists, two songs each, with the order drawn at random, hosted by yours truly, coming up this Saturday, January 13th, at The Loft in Providence, Rhode Island. Send me a message, bill at ripodcast.com, if you're interested in coming out. It's a great community event. You get to see a bunch of Rhode Island's best songwriters performing... Sometimes brand new works. Sometimes they're classics. And it's a great community hang. Elmwood Songwriters Club, presented by Bartholomew Town. It's the second Saturday of every month, coming up this Saturday, January 13th, in Providence. Back with Mark Reynolds, Richmond Community Alliance. Let's talk about the Town Council and its current makeup and some of its personalities. How would you describe it if you're on an elevator with somebody? Divided
0: um this functional might be a, a, a bit strong but it it, it it it's definitely divided and um there's been disruption um of of town activity i think um that's that'll be my quick elevator elevator pitch on on, yeah. on the town council
1: what what is it that 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 creates a dynamic, at least, or even just an interpretation from a vibe standpoint on that test, that there's something awry with the decision-making process of the town council. I hear this on the ground from a lot of people that live in Richmond, that it just doesn't feel representative of the will of the people. Nonetheless, those folks were voted in democratically. What what do you think it is right now, the big picture?
0: I I think what what it was in the beginning, and again, this was part of the one of the things that kind of was the inertia for getting the Richmond community Alliance going, the, 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 the new council members, um, you know, they felt I've been elected, so I'm going to do what I, what I want is kind of this, uh, scorched earth kind of mentality. I'm going to go in and I'm going to change things. Um, and they started with, um, uh, Our volunteer boards and commissions, one of the first things that they did, we had a long-time vice chair of our planning board uh, who is also involved in planning on a a state level. She's got a great deal of expertise, was very well respected, Um, and when her appointment came up, uh, the council refused to reappoint her, which is unheard of. In Richmond, we're begging people to join volunteer boards, and this council went out and and decided we're not going to reappoint someone who's been serving the town for decades, uh, and everyone spoke so highly of um, the critic, the public criticism that th- that the council gave as their reason was they felt she was too hard on a particular developer who I believe was the preserve during some of their applications that she was a little too harsh in her tone with them, uh, was holding their feet to the fire, maybe a little too close on certain requirements and that that she was too difficult for them to deal with. So they refused to reappoint her. Uh, so it's this distrust of uh, volunteers, their um, distrust of towns hall staff, uh, department heads, again, who have been, you know, did, they're just there doing their job. And this new group, uh, not and not everybody, but there are particular individuals, uh, began to, to question what they're doing, why they're doing it, kind of micromanaging the day-to-day operations of the town, which is not the role of a town council. A town council should be dealing with the higher-level Policy questions and issues, not deciding, um, you know, who we're hiring as a clerk or uh, who the electrical inspector is going to be. Um, so I, I think that that was part of it. And so it's, it's really developed this dynamic of a high stress among our, I think, our board and commission members and also our town staff because it's it's this. I'm open to criticism. Um, you know, I was up for reappointment as I'm also serve as chair of the board of tax assessment review in town. So if people want to appeal their tax assessments, I'm one of three people that sits on a board and reviews those. And as I said before, the preserve regularly appeals their, uh, their tax assessments. And when my appointment was up, uh, reappointment was up in November and December Two council members voted against reappointing me. uh, And the reasons they gave was well, I'm running for town council again. So I must be using this as a political reason. Um, And maybe I'm biased against the preserve. And so they've, so people, you know, like I said, we're begging people to volunteer on boards and commissions. And now people may be even more hesitant because. What are they going to ask me? Are they going to ask about my political views if I if I apply for the recreation commission or the planning board or the zoning board? Um, so it's this this dynamic that's been created, which is really uh, kind of like you said, it's a negative vibe uh, in town surrounding uh, surrounding town government.
1: Mark Reynolds is with us, and there's a lot of great citizen journalism uh, or slash oversight, the Beaver River Community Association comes to mind. The obviously your group, the Richmond Community Alliance and journalism is, you know, that that's a that's a term that's being used loosely here. Um, you, you know, you're not publishing newspapers and putting them in people's mailboxes, but just levels of oversight wrapping up here. What's the next step in terms of getting Richmond to a place that you and many others would be more comfortable with from a managerial standpoint?
0: Well, you know, I think ultimately there's going to need to be a change on the council. I mean, and you know, full disclosure, I probably will be running again um, in, in November. Um, and you know, the the Richmond Community Alliance we're a political action committee, and you know, once there are candidates uh, who have declared, you know, we will probably endorse uh, certain candidates uh, for council. And and what we're looking for is people who are willing to work together uh, people who are willing to listen to advice and not just from their fellow council members, but from uh, town hall staff department heads and, you know, stay in their lane. Like I said, as a town council person um, looking at the higher level issues, not trying to micromanage uh, town government. And if that Happens, it will it will improve the climate in the in the town hall amongst the amongst the staff. And like I said, if if people can work together, if the town council can work together, I think you know more progress can be made. But we've got to remove this negative, contentious
1: uh, uh, cloud that currently hovers over this this town council. Mark Reynolds, Richmond Community Alliance, Richmond, Rhode Island, a beautiful bucolic, dare I say, municipality, a place that's near and dear to my heart. I grew up in Cherahoe, spent a lot of times before I could drive on my bike riding around Beaver River Road and all that, and uh, some challenging hills there, by the way, if you're into biking. <laughs> beautiful trails, beautiful people, and hey, when there's a when there's a news desert situation, look, when the Cherahoe Times was there, it's not like they were publishing detailed investigative pieces every week on some of this stuff anyway, but Right now, it's a moment where many municipalities are undercovered, underserved, and I'm glad that we're able to do this overview today, and hopefully we'll have time at some point in the future to get into some of the more specific issues, Mark, and thanks for your time. You're welcome. I'm glad to do it, Bill.